mortgages can be a dry subject. So here's your oasis in the desert. It's the podcast that will get you talking and thinking, or more likely drinking. The Lennon to his McCartney, the Bert to his Ernie. It's the one and only Mortgage Stew and his sidekick Martin at the LM Experience. Hi there, welcome to the LM Experience. Today it is now episode 48. Good morning, Martin. Good morning, Stu. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Getting back into this now. You see, it's like, it's like riding a bike, isn't it? It is. Please yeah, take this. did fall over a little bit earlier on, but we're, we're back on again <laughs> Don't now. Don't talk aren't about we? that. That's yeah. Great. Um, so today's guest, we have Mr. Simon Clark with us today. Hello, Simon. Hello. What if I, hang on, I recognise that voice. Do you reckon? I, I recognise that voice. How, how about if I said, his Bert to his Ernie? <laughs> <laughs> so is it, Simon, Simon does our, our, our voiceover. You're Indeed. our voiceover on our uh, on our pod- podcast. So uh, thank you for that. I hope you're not looking for royalties. No, 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 no. Don't worry. <laughs> we've been, I was, we've I been was... downloaded millions of times. I was fully aware of the circumstances <laughs> when I sat in front of the microphone. <laughs> now, Simon has been involved with the um, music industry now for over 30 years, I guess, Simon, isn't it? Yeah. So I worked in commercial radio for 30 years. Well, 27 years in commercial radio. A brief two-year break to the BBC. And now I'm back with commercial radio. So I... Um, what did I, that involve, Simon? When you say you work for commercial radio, a so, spectrum of jobs, presenting? So I had been a presenter for 30 years. I wow. literally went straight in as a presenter in 1992. I, I I wasn't planning to be a presenter. I always wanted to be a producer. I consider my attention to detail and, uh, and that kind of thing more suited to being a producer. But unfortunately, in local radio, there were no producer roles. Mm. So I did hospital radio to get some experience. And... Um, and and then hanging around a radio station in the 90s meant that you would normally get asked to do stuff. Sometimes there might be money attached to it. <laughs> um, I got involved in a student program. And then it was, oh, can you just play this recorded program out of the weekend? And then it's, we need someone to do travel reports from an aeroplane. He'll do. And before you know where you are, um, I, I basically got to the point where I was making a decision about university mm-hmm. and um, decided, on the one hand, a couple of university offers, on the other hand, the opportunity to get some practical experience. So I went with the practical experience. Yeah. And and then that served me well for 30 years. And here you are. So you yeah. were officially the eye in the sky. I was the North Ant Skyway Patrol. Ah. <laughs> Never leaves you. <laughs> What's the weather like today? Yeah, just out of interest. <laughs> Not as warm as it was yesterday. <laughs> but it's, um yeah, it, it's interesting. And the industry now is so different to what it was 30 years ago in as much as I had the opportunity to do a middle-of-the-night show and cut my teeth in those hours where they just needed someone to keep the transmitter warm for five hours between one and six in the morning. It's your content, any content. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, now you can automate music with computers and stuff like that. So that opportunity to come in and cut your teeth doesn't exist. Although community radio now is everywhere mm-hmm. and that gives people the opportunity to go in make their mistakes. If it's a good community station, there'll be someone there they can learn from. If they have any kind of sense on their shoulders they'll be listening back to what they're doing and saying oh that wasn't great i could do that differently they'd be listening to stuff around them with a critical ear because the only way you progress in this industry is by deconstructing everything you do and then applying it differently the next time you open the mic are are people and again you know just just seeing how my my 12 year old reacts with and interacts with music do people still listen to radio? Well, I had a very interesting conversation with a mate of mine yesterday who used to work in radio, and he now runs a business providing silent disco gear to music festivals all around the world. And he said to me, 
you know, do you think people will still listen? Well, the pandemic has proved that, yes, they do. Um, the, I mean, my teenagers don't, one of them, the 15-year-old boy, doesn't listen to the radio. All of his music is shaped by uh, stuff he hears on the the Xbox or um, computer games mm. or things like that. He's got a playlist on his Spotify that's entirely stuff he's heard on FIFA. My 17-year-old is a bit different. She does listen to radio stations via apps, um, you know, but it will be the same old, same old. Mm-hmm. And the thing that's really interesting, and it always makes me laugh, when I'm downloading new music now for, for my job, they class something over four minutes as an extended mix. Well, they'd hate Bohemian Rhapsody if that I came know, right? out again now. So, so the average <laughs> the average pop song that's coming down the line now is about two and a half minutes because that's possibly the attention span that kids have because they see it on TikTok, which Everything I think is, is about yeah. 90 seconds, isn't it, on yeah. TikTok? Yeah, Everything's definitely. so disposable it and is. deletable very quickly now. But to answer your original question, during the pandemic... Um, Radio stations had to adapt to the way they measure audience figures. Traditionally, radio was always measured by something called radar. You'd get someone knock on your door every three months, ask you to complete a survey, and they would ask you which stations you'd listen to over the space of a week. And you had to remember, you had to recall, you had to write it in a diary. Obviously, they couldn't knock on people's doors due to the pandemic, so the industries had to pivot and rely entirely on figures from connected devices. And that has shown some interesting things. Um, for example, where you would traditionally have had a drive show, those uh, time slots have seen an increase to listening to connected devices because people still listen to those various presenters out of habit, but they do it now via a smart speaker or an app because they're not in their car. They don't need to travel, but they're still listening because it was part of their routine before they were in lockdown. Mm-hmm. I I was I drove down from Yorkshire yesterday four hours in the car, and you know you've got you've got twenty thousand songs on your, your your phone nowadays, but I do like to listen to the radio. Uh, because it's to me, it's interesting. There's, you know, the DJs out the DJs. That's really is that all what they call now. They I think that's still a term still, that's used. Yes. Still DJs are <laughs> disc jockeys. Uh, to me, it breaks up a journey. If I'm in a car for a long period of time, I do like to listen to the same radio station. I think everyone does. There is a risk though there that you become, you know, stuck in that rut. Everyone gets in the car and goes straight to change over to put their preferred radio station on and see now i don't you don't do that i skip around between about three or four favorites and um and i've just started listening to radio shows i like via catch-up or via a podcast um just because i like that personality and i want to hear what they're doing that's different the music is almost irrelevant to me but then that might be because i spent 30 years playing stuff that Mm. i'm completely indifferent to and that's that i mean that sounds horrible. It's not <laughs> meant to be, but I do 70s format, 80s format, 90s format, easy listening format. It's just, from a presenter's point of view, these are the tools you're given to work with. Off you go. Yeah. It's quite interesting, though, because one of the biggest things I, the biggest app that I use on my phone is Radio Player. Because I love the idea of the fact you can skip around the whole country if you feel like it with kind of names that you might have remembered when you were on holiday when you were a kid. Like I've got Pirate FM from Cornwall mm. on there and stuff like that. Things you can dip in and out of whenever you feel like it, which I think is really interesting. So with Hampshire Event DJs, how did that come about? So, um, so I've done radio for 30 years. When I was in Birmingham, there was a new nightclub that opened opposite the radio station I was in and the bloke who ran it came over and said, do any of the DJs here fancy having a go at it? Mm-hmm. Or, or do they have any experience? So I thought, 
All right, then I'll crack on. I did uh, the bar in that club for about three years, and it was really successful. So they told me. Um, <laughs> and you can see that from the people in front of you. But it was a strange experience having spent, you know, the, the previous 10 years in a room talking to yourself to suddenly see people in front of mm-hmm. you. But it became pretty apparent that there were lots of things that we do in commercial radio which you could apply to the club environment and the music environment. Fast forward that a few years, when I moved to the South Coast, people kept asking me to do bits and pieces. So I bought some equipment. And and once again, you, you see that... Um, but music is all about emotional connections. The key period in your life where you develop the strongest association to music is 15 to 25. It's leaving school, learning to drive, getting a job, discovering members of the opposite sex, having some disposable income, meeting the person you're going to settle down with. And and, and that 10-year period in your life is the period where in years to come, you will hear a song on the radio and it will be like a blanket of nostalgia around you. It reminds you. Exactly. Of better times. So, generally. why, in that case, would someone who's 29 who's getting married, want to sit on the floor and pretend to row a boat to oops upside your head. <laughs> this is so oh, funny. My, 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 my wife listens to this, she'll laugh her head off, because her first experience upon arriving from Sweden was a birthday party for, for some family members. And we had a disco, and she was here for two days after moving here. First thing that the DJ put on, oops upside your head. You see, there's a time and a place for oops upside your head. But for a couple who are 29... That's probably not, not it, it yeah. because they would have been out when garage and R&B and hip hop was very prevalent in the clubs. So they want Usher and Ludacris and yeah, and they want a bit of Artful Dodger. They don't want to sit on the floor and pretend to row. So <laughs> we noticed there was a massive increase and shift towards young couples booking bands. Now, why did bands become really popular? Well, bands provide a repertoire. You book a band for your party. Mm-hmm. They will provide you with a list of 100 songs that they can play immediately you have an element of control because you're picking from that list. And maybe if the band are playing for two hours, you might get 40 songs away, but but you're still picking from that list. And that means the bride and groom don't have to suffer sitting on the floor pretending to row. Mm. So we thought, well, if we don't do something about this, we're going to eventually find that, that as an industry, DJs are going to become extinct. So I did a little bit of market research on a DJ forum, and I asked the average age of a mobile DJ how long they've been in the profession, and what was the biggest challenge they faced. Mm -hmm. So the average age is 50 Mm -hmm. or over. The average time in the industry is 30 years. And the biggest challenge to all of those over 50, to a man, was being told what to do. But hang on, you're in a customer service industry. Why would you not want to do what your customer wants you to do? So we thought, well, here's an opportunity. Um, And during lockdown because we haven't had any events to do, which is, which would be frustrating were it not absolutely the right thing to do. Mm. So there's no point getting bent out of shape over the fact that we haven't earned any money because you can't earn money, you can't get people together because of the fact we're in a pandemic. Whether or not as, a, as an industry we could have had a bit more support from the government is another story altogether yeah. and that will get me quite angry, so we won't talk about that. No, I but, think we should. We'll get onto that in a minute. Oh, okay. I, think I do think it's important that we, okay. hear, we hear the voices from people at the coalface oh, on that. We'll chat about that in a bit then. But for now... Um, we found our business grew and grew and grew. And I was at that stage where I needed a content management system where I could manage everything. And one of the biggest jobs is collating the list of requests from people whose party you're doing. So we went off and we specced something that would be able to do that. Just going back to the business for a second, I say we created a brand. There are seven of us and they're all like me, radio or ex-radio people. 
And the good thing about radio people is they understand that you play music that's right for the people in front of you, for the age and the experiences of the people in front of you. And they haven't spent 30 years in church halls making mm-hmm. people sit on the floor and pretend to row. So they can look at a room and they can go, all right, well, actually, they're this age. And here are five or six songs they've asked for. So I'll just fill the rest of the night up around that. And the other thing about us is we're not frightened to step out of our comfort zone. We've done new rock weddings. We've done henna parties on Bournemouth Beach. We did one wedding in Oxford two years ago where the bride was a Guardian journalist. The groom was an academic. They were both in their 50s and they met in the Lebanon. And they wanted a heady mix of classic rock and Arabic pop from 2010. Oh, loads of examples of that. So where do you even start? So we emailed a radio station and we said, uh, hi, what were you playing every three hours 10 years ago? And they came back with a list. So most DJs would turn that down or they would turn up and they'd still play the Macarena yeah. upside your head whereas we see that as a challenge we'll go off and, and an off. opportunity exactly uh, proof of concept but i mean at the end of the day they had a fantastic time we got a wonderful review out of it and in the world we live in now reviews are everything mm. yeah so um yeah so that's that's kind of where we're at so when did you set up uh simon how long have you been running 2018 right okay part of the reason we did it was i'd, I'd been djing myself for a few years prior to that but people would ring and they would say oh um I don't suppose you're free on this date, and I would probably already be booked. And I used to go back and say, "Oh, but but Martin's free. He's a friend of mine. He can do it." And instantly, you can hear them going, "Oh, hang on a minute. I mm. want you. I don't want a friend of yours." <laughs> so by trading as a brand, you've got consistent principles. They're buying the brand, not the They're individual. Buying the brand. And we all use the same equipment as well. We went out wisely, bought the same gear. Firstly, Martin came on board. Um, he, we had a mutual friend who got in touch and said, "Oh, Martin wants to talk to you about this." because he wanted to earn a bit of extra money. So he came to a gig with me, came away saying, I could do this. I said, of course you can do this. So he bought some equipment. And then Dan came on board, and then Jono came on board, and then Charlie. And eventually we, we found ourselves in a little group of seven. I manage everything. I take all the bookings. And you know they're quite happy to get an email on a Monday saying, you're here on Friday, you're here on Saturday. This is how you get into the venue. This is who you're talking to. Here are the songs they want. Here are the songs they don't want. Perfect. That's a great, that sounds like a great that's a great model so let, let's talk about that the pandemic i i sense there's some <laughs> frustration here and i think it's important that we do talk about it because Definitely. you know this this has been a very awkward 12 to 18 months for for people that run their own businesses this issue of the forgotten uh limited company directors who fell off mm. the radar mm. i'm guessing you might, you might fall into that well category, i was in a difficult position because literally the week before we got locked down I I came to the end of a two-year contract with the BBC. And because of something called IR35, which you may or may not be familiar with, yeah, I can see by the way Stu's rolling his (laughs) eyes, um, that they insisted on engaging me um, with tax and then I deducted at source and I had to take a shift cut so that then I could have... Effectively, they paid me holiday, but they took that money off me first to pay me the holiday rather than paying it on top. But whatever. So as a limited company... I thought I was on the right side of IR35 because a certain percentage of my income came from radio and the rest of it came from elsewhere. But whether you're inside or outside IR35 is entirely down to the employer. So they deemed that I was inside. So they paid me into my current account with tax and then I deducted its source because my accountant said, you can't put that money in the business because it's had the tax and then I stripped off it. And that's not, as a company director, the responsible thing to do. So I stopped taking a director's salary had my BBC money paid into my current account. That finished around the end of March. Perfect. So I proper fell through the cracks because Absolutely. I hadn't got a director's salary to to, to, to fall to back evidence. on. Yeah. So I've 
I did all right. I lived out of the money that I put to one side to go in a pension that the business had been accruing while I wasn't taking any money out of it. But what I find very frustrating is there are people, say, for example, the, the, the guy who had two ice cream parlours who shut them down got close to £100,000 from the government as a handout. Grants, yeah. Never had to pay that back. And uh, closed both his ice cream parlours down, moved all of his equipment into storage, bought a camper van for 30 grand, swanned around the UK coastline for the rest of the year, mm-hmm. used some of the money from the remainder of that grant to put a deposit down on a buy-to-let. And he's never going to have to pay that money back. Whereas I got a £21,000 bounce-back loan, which I'm already paying back, even though my business is far from bouncing back. Mm. I paid tax since I was 18. So where was my help? And why didn't they base it on... I mean, I appreciate they had to make a decision, and they had to make a decision quickly. But when I see other people I know in my industry who um, who are really struggling and have had zero help, it just breaks my heart. I think the thing is, as well, is that the excuse of them having to act quickly and make a decision is fine at the beginning. But when the actual the organisation that's now been put around supporting the unsupported basically how that has grown over the last 12 to 18 months in respect of highlighting what the problems have been and yet there is still nothing that's been done in that way i think it's a difficult thing it's it's always a case of the unintended consequences you come with a great idea you think that'll solve a problem and then it creates another 10 problems down the line uh you'd have been better upset if a ppe company on the in back in yeah, March, yeah. you 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 probably banked half a million pounds. From Unfortunately, I didn't know anyone in government at the time, oh, so I wouldn't be able to do that. I don't think that mattered to be honest from what I've read. <laughs> but the other thing which makes me angry, and I don't want to moan because I've managed to be positive and upbeat throughout this whole problem because I'm aware there are people in a far worse situation mm. than me. They they must have seen this coming down the tracks. We could see in January. Well, hang on, if this is happening there. If they sneeze, the rest of the world's going to catch a cold. Why didn't someone else who's paid to worry about these things actually worry about it earlier on? And that, I think, is the big question as far as this country is concerned. I think you're right. I think, you know, didn't America, didn't Trump close the pandemic department or something like that? Well, something similar happened. the funding. Something similar happened here prior. It was the case of, the. I think, prior to that, there was a... Um, recommendations from a previous report mm. that was that, that were then ignored, or they closed down a certain department, um, and, and I think certain people were off doing different things when they should have been looking at the priorities. So I listened back to my last BBC show, which was on the Friday before Boris appeared on the telly on the Monday. And there's me doing a newspaper review. There's me doing some headlines. Oh, yeah, the the Prime Minister thinks within about eight weeks we might be... Flatten the curve. And you listen back to that and you think, how incredibly mm. naive were we? I've got so much conviction in my voice as I'm reading that yeah. out. I think, well, wow. Well, we, we did the same thing. We listened to the last podcast of this that we did before lockdown. Uh, and we didn't mention it once. And it, that was the 6th of March. We, we were all talking with an estate agent, two estate agents on mm. there. We were all talking about what a great year we thought we were going to have. It looking like it might be. Yeah. Well, it, it has been a great year for some people in some respects. And, you know, if, if anything, these last 16 months 
have widened the divide between have the haves and the have-nots. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Uh, more division will come off the back of this, uh, whether that's intended or otherwise, I don't know. Well, September is the time, isn't it, when End furlough, furlough ends. Mm. And that'll be the point that everyone who's been stretching themselves until the pips flew across the room will suddenly not have that support. And that'll be the time where it, you know... Well, it, I do question whether that will just get pushed down the road again. Uh, we might even end up with some sort of universal basic income that will evolve off the back of this because unfortunately i don't think a lot of those people or the industries they work in will be coming back at the same strength that they were mm. before lockdown people have habits have changed a lot for a lot of people so it's in your industry are you seeing any green shoots i mean this idea it, boris said today about weddings there might not be uh, a limit on the numbers so um if boris doesn't lift the restriction on numbers that will help the venue if boris does lift the restriction on numbers that will help the venues because for most of the venues we work with trying to do food and service for 30 people you're barely washing your face financially yeah no money in that no exactly and certainly if there's no one standing up dancing there's no bar bill so from our point of view and it's purely selfish but if people aren't dancing we we've got no purpose being there so what we've tried to do is in when the restrictions lift first set of restrictions lifted we went out in may and we did an outdoor wedding so a couple of months ago i custom designed or had custom designed some ppe screens for our dj kit because there are some dates over the summer where touch wood we'll be doing four on the bounce that makes me a super spreader so we've had these clear perspex ppe screens designed for our standard custom kit that we all use so that will provide us with a level of protection but it also provides them with a level of protection not everybody's going to do that but i felt we had a moral obligation to do that so i spent mm -hmm. two grand we didn't have on getting those screens done so if we're allowed to have people indoors and dancing we're all set to go that's just one of the many covid things we've done if they won't allow dancing indoors we'll just have to go outside and set up on a lawn under a gazebo subject to noise pollution issues and as luck would have it the, the, the wednesday before we were due to go and do this wedding on the saturday i dropped environmental health an email for my local council and said look where do we stand with this just want to check 100 everything is so vague if we set up outside and you've got 30 people in the open air and they're dancing we're not going to get in trouble for that there's a 10 grand fine for us and for the venue but i just need to check 100 percent. and as luck would have it the environmental health person was off to a meeting of every environmental health person across hampshire that day so she tabled a question on our behalf and she came back with a positive response that said well actually it doesn't say you can but it doesn't say you can't however if you and the venue follow these guidelines that you've already outlined then you'll be all right to work outside and that's what we've been working to we never honestly believed that june 21st would be reasonable for us to start again. You don't go from 30 people to a full lift just like that. Yeah. So we've always had in the back of our minds, well, if we get to June 21st and we can't do it indoors, we'll just have to take it outside. And luckily, all our venues have said, we're absolutely fine with that. Subject to the weather. Yeah. Subject to the weather. <laughs> I bought gazebos. I haven't had them You've branded, got, uh, but we've got <laughs> gazebos. <laughs> right. So look, I mean, uh, I think you've got every right to be frustrated there. Uh, I think the people are falling through the cracks uh, through absolutely no fault of their own. I think it's all been a bit wishy-washy. It's all been a bit zigzagged and it's difficult. Uh, and I think you're right. I think there will be winners and losers, unfortunately, from this. And, mm. and the rich will probably get richer and the but, poor will suffer more. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the thing. And it would be so easy to get frustrated. 
Um, well, look, let, let, let's end on a positive. Yes. Push your business. Okay. So, come on, give us a. You've got a, millions of people listening in here. All of them want to get married be, between now and the end of September. Or throw some corporate parties. Or whatever, yeah. So, look, wh- where can we find you? What is your business? Is it, what's your website? So, we are hampshireeventdjs.co.uk you'll find us on instagram on facebook the website obviously hampshireeventdjs.co.uk weddings corporate events private parties that's what we do our music is always on point and we won't make you sit on the floor and pretend to row unless <laughs> that's what you want us specifically, to do specifically i'm gonna ask for four hours of just that one loop. song um right okay so listen uh, that, that, get in touch with with simon uh i think that's a, what you've got i think that's a great model that idea of actually setting your own playlist at your own events is fantastic um so i wish you all the best with that uh, and i'm sure you will bounce back to give it a partridge uh, ending so as a dj your top five albums of all time. They've got to be... I'm, I'm, I'm guessing Oops Upside Your Head isn't on that list. Sadly, the Gap Band Greatest Hits didn't make it. But, um, <laughs> what have you got? I've got you 2 The Joshua Tree. Cracking album. I listened to that the other day. That hasn't aged and never will. Saw them at Twickenham a couple of years ago. They played the album in its entirety. Yeah. They were incredible. Second album, Counting Crows, August and Everything After. Okay, yeah. Uh, that reminds me of the time in my life where I got my first proper show in radio. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Jones and all of that sort of stuff. Great album. Macy Gray on How Life Is, which Ooh. was um, played to death around the time I was having a little bit of a rebirth. What so, year was that? 98? 99, 2000? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, John Mayer, Room for Squares. Now, he's a guy that most people in this country haven't heard of, apart yeah. from the string of famous women he dated back in the day. Um, but it was his debut album, and it's got some fantastic songs on it. Every time he tours, I'm always at Earl's Court yeah. to, to watch it, or the, the O2 to watch him. And the final album is the 1975 and the 1975. I love synth pop. Yeah. I mean, that is a, that's a great that's a great band as well. Yeah. I just, you know, getting people back to live music is a must isn't it yeah it's going to be challenging though I think it will be it's yeah difficult, isn't it? I mean we were saying before we started recording today the last gig I went to was about two days before lockdown mm. last um, gig I went to was the 1975 in Bournemouth actually with my uh, my now 17 year old I was the oldest man there <laughs> <laughs> but the trendiest bizarrely hopefully you probably knew more about music than the rest of them put together uh, Simon thanks very much for coming and talking to us today uh, excellent all the best with the business going forward let's uh, fingers crossed for some positive news on lockdown restrictions for, for you and for all of us yeah fingers crossed that's great thank you Simon um, so if you would like to appear on the LM Experience you can contact us via our Twitter feed which is at the LM Experience on Twitter and we'll be back in contact with you soon brilliant thanks Simon thanks Judy thanks for listening and please subscribe and follow us on Twitter and remember there ain't no party like a highly regulated mortgage party and your home may be repossessed if you do not keep up repayments on a mortgage or any other debt secured on it